Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Four Quarters with Josh McKinney. Really excited to bring another one to you today. Will be much shorter than last week's episode, so uh, if you weren't a fan of the hour plus episode, I think we had some good content, but this will be shorter today. Going to start things off with a podcast shout out in just a few seconds. After that, this day in sports history is back, and then McKinney's mailbag. This will be the first of two straight weeks with a mailbag. Excited about that. And then my wife, Christine, will be joining me in Ranky Panky as we rank our top five favorite things about the fall season. Really looking forward to that later in the show, so stick around. We've got some great content for you on episode 20 of Four Quarters with Josh McKinney. Right now, it's time for that podcast shout-out. All right, so in this week's podcast shout-out, I would like to draw attention to a very special podcast. It's called the Corked Up Podcast. Now, you can follow them on Twitter, at Corked Up. That's C-O-R-K-D-U-P. This is a podcast, actually, where two women in the world of sports share their opinions, and they focus on baseball primarily. Their shows come out on Thursdays. You can find them on several platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As usual, I have provided a link to their show and their Apple Podcasts where they've got some great reviews from others. I definitely agree with those reviews. They do a great job. These are two women, as I said, who offer a unique take on sports. They both work in sports. And Rachel and Jessica do a great job with their show. Rachel is actually a Major League Baseball player agent and attorney. It says on her Twitter she's a former gymnast. So she's got a lot of great stories to tell. And Jessica as well. Jessica is the host of NBC Sports' Balk Talk. She's also a Bay Area producer for NBC Sports. So these women do a great job, as I said. Their podcast description says MLB player agent Rachel Luba and NBC Sports Bay Area producer Jessica Kleinsmith are ready to give you a fresh perspective on America's pastime while drinking a few glasses or bottles of wine. And like I said, they have a very interesting podcast. They're a good length. They're similar in length to the shows that we usually put out. Most of them have been ranging from 40, 45 minutes to around an hour or so. So check them out. Corked Up Podcast, as I said, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, other platforms as well. Rachel and Jessica keep putting out great content, ladies. Really enjoy it and continue success to you. With that said, let's get on to this day in sports history. Let's start this week's This Day in Sports History on September 16, 1960, when Milwaukee Braves pitcher Warren Spahn threw a no-hitter in a 4-0 home win over the Philadelphia Phillies. The no-hitter was the first of the then 39-year-old's career and was his 20th victory of the 1960 season. 
Spawn allowed just two base runners, both via walks, in the 4-0 win, while striking out 15 batters. He also no-hit the San Francisco Giants in a 1-0 home win the following season, becoming the oldest National League pitcher to throw a no-hitter at 40 years old, a record that still stands today. Spawn finished with five strikeouts and two walks in his no-hitter against San Francisco, and the winningest left-handed pitcher in Major League Baseball history went on to win 363 games in his Hall of Fame career. Sixth behind only Cy Young, who had 511, Walter Johnson with 417, Grover Alexander and Christy Mathewson with 373 apiece, and Pud Galvin with 365. We move ahead to September 16, 1993, when Minnesota Twins designated hitter Dave Winfield became the 19th player in Major League Baseball history to reach 3,000 career hits in a 5-4 home victory over the Oakland Athletics. The 2001 National Baseball Hall of Fame inductee played for six teams during his 22-year career, including the San Diego Padres, the New York Yankees, the California Angels, the Toronto Blue Jays, the Minnesota Twins, and the Cleveland Indians. Winfield finished with 3,110 hits in his career to go with 465 home runs, 1,833 RBIs, and a 283 batting average. Winfield was a 12-time All-Star, a 7-time Gold Glove right fielder, and a 6-time Silver Slugger who also had the winning hit in Game 6 of the 1992 World Series as the Toronto Blue Jays beat the Atlanta Braves for their first of two consecutive World Series titles. We change sports as we turn our attention to the National Hockey League. On September 16, 2012, the NHL locked out its players after the expiration of the collective bargaining agreement. The lockout lasted until January 6 of 2013, with the NHL ultimately shortening that season from the usual 82 games to 48. The dispute was the third lockout in 19 years under Gary Bettman, who remains the NHL's commissioner to this day. The 2012-13 regular season lasted from January 19 to April 28 of 2013, and the Stanley Cup playoffs ended with the Chicago Blackhawks defeating the Boston Bruins in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Finals on June 24, 2013. The Blackhawks also won the 2014-15 Stanley Cup title, the sixth in franchise history. We finish up with the National Football League, as on September 16, 2018, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes set an NFL record of 10 touchdown passes in the first two weeks of a season when he tossed six TD passes in a 42-37 road win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mahomes finished the season with 50 touchdown passes and 52 total scores to go with 5,097 passing yards on his way to being voted the NFL Most Valuable Player. The following season, Mahomes led Kansas City to its first Super Bowl championship in 50 years, helping the Chiefs overcome a 10-point fourth-quarter deficit for a 31-20 win over the San Francisco 49ers. 
This past offseason, Mahomes signed a 10-year, $477 million contract extension with another $26 million in potential bonuses, keeping him with the Chiefs through the 2031 season. His contract represents the largest in American pro sports history. All right, folks, that does it for this day in sports history. Now it's time for the return of McKinney's Mailbag. That's right. We're back with McKinney's Mailbag. This is the third installment of it. I got several questions from about four different people on Facebook. I'm going to save some of those for next week since I got a total of about 10. But I've got four questions I'm going to delve into in today's mailbag, and I want to get right to it. Nate Warden, big professional wrestling fan, had asked me three questions the last time we did this. He's got another big question for me. This one, I had to really think about this. Nate's question was, what five matches, not full shows, would you attend if you could pick from any in history? Now, like I said, very difficult. There's a lot of great matches all time, but when I started thinking, the first one that immediately sprung to mind was The Rock versus Hulk Hogan, WrestleMania 18 in Toronto. This was held at the Sky Dome, and this was a match that was a dream match that many probably thought they would never see. Of course, came along after WWF, bought WCW, became WWE, and The Rock's my favorite of all time, so his presence in this match, obviously, I was very interested in, but the crowd for this was just electric, and I think they thought The Rock would be the face more in the match and Hulk the heel because that was the way the story was portrayed. But the way the crowd went, these guys just played off of it perfectly. The crowd was hot for Hogan. The Rock got the win, as I think he should have. He was the more in-his-prime guy at that time. But Hogan still with much to offer. This was Icon versus Icon. Two guys who arguably belong on wrestling's Mount Rushmore. I think Hogan's definitely there. I think The Rock should be there. He would be on mine. But two all-time legends would have loved to be there. They had an initial interaction on Monday Night Raw to set up their WrestleMania match where the crowd went crazy. And they went crazy again, of course, at WrestleMania. So WrestleMania 18, Rock versus Hogan's the first one. The next one also from WrestleMania is WrestleMania 25, The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. The first in a line of matches that went for the next four WrestleManias, really. And this stemmed the year before, actually, Shawn Michaels had retired Ric Flair in what would be his final WWE match. He would, of course, go on to TNA for a few years, but he had his send-off in WWE, and it was a great match. The next year, Undertaker versus Shawn was one of the greatest matches of all time. It's been heralded as such by a lot of people. They lived up to every expectation and surpassed it with this match. Like I said, it was the first in a series of four at WrestleMania because they would fight again the next year with Shawn's career on the line. And he would lose, so it was Shawn Michaels' last match up until a few years ago. The ill-fated tag team match he came back for. We won't talk about that. But this would lead into Triple H then taking on Taker at the next two WrestleManias, 27 28. 28 being the one that really stole the show. Hell in a Cell with Shawn as the special guest referee. Undertaker's streak obviously still intact up until he lost to Brock Lesnar a few years later. You had Sean hitting the sweet chin music into Triple H's pedigree and nearly beating Taker and ending his streak there, but Taker coming out on top. 
all three men walking out together in one of the most iconic pictures I've ever seen in wrestling. And so that's the second one, Taker and Sean at WrestleMania 25. Moving on, 2011 Money in the Bank, CM Punk versus John Cena. This was at the Allstate Arena in Chicago, Punk's hometown, and the storyline was that his contract was running out that night. He was fighting Cena for the WWE Championship, and he would end up beating Cena. And the story was he was taking the title out of the company and going to go parade it around everywhere, maybe defend it in other companies, all that. He returned just over one week later, I believe. But that arena popped, obviously, for its hometown boy, CM Punk. And he was white hot at that point in wrestling, the biggest thing going to that match. And, you know, obviously the Cena is always going to get a reaction, whether it's booze, cheers, mixed, whatever. Cena gets a reaction. So that would have been an awesome atmosphere to be in. Fourth, we'll go with the triple threat TLC match. Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, WrestleMania 17, the Dudley Boys, the Hardy Boys, and Edge and Christian, three of the greatest tag teams of all time, and this was the first TLC match, and these guys just put on an absolute show going at it for the tag team titles. There's not much more that needs to be said. Go watch that match, and you'll see, you know, I would love to be there. I got to see a ladder match in person back in 2009. I believe it was Jeff Hardy, Edge, and CM Punk in a triple threat, if I remember correctly. But it was a lot of fun to watch, and I'm sure this would have been even more magnified, obviously. Being the first TLC match and everything would have been awesome to be there. The last one is kind of a little more personal. It's Charlotte versus Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's title. It's actually from a Monday Night Raw in Charlotte in 2016. The reason I put this on here is I considered going to this show. Didn't end up going. Watched it on TV and loved it. Charlotte and Sasha together are insanely awesome. They just work so well together. Gel perfectly. And Sasha would beat Charlotte for the title on this night. They exchanged the title back and forth some. Sasha has still never successfully defended the Raw Women's title in five reigns. I see that changing because it looks like she's going to beat Bailey for the SmackDown Women's title, and that's the story they're setting up. So we'll see where that goes. I think she finally gets a reign she's deserving of. But this was a Falls Count Anywhere match that I believe in. It was Charlotte tapping out to Sasha in the crowd. And I would have loved to have been there for that because Sasha, as I've said before on the program, my favorite women's wrestler in the world and has been for several years now. Charlotte is a legend already, winning title after title, and can really get it done as well. So I went with that. So there you go. My five matches I would attend would be The Rock versus Hogan from WrestleMania 18, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 25, Punk versus Cena, Money in the Bank 2011, Dudley's, Hardy's, ENC, TLC match from WrestleMania 17, and Charlotte versus Sasha from Raw 2016 in Charlotte. A couple others that I consider were The Rock versus Stone Cold at WrestleMania 17, their first of three clashes at WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton versus Bautista from WrestleMania 30, just for the celebration for Bryan after. And then Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 21. Uh, Mr. WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels, and Kurt Angle, two of the greatest in-ring performers of all time. So I considered those three as well, but those other five are the ones that I settled on. So, that was a lot. I've got three more questions. These will not take as long because they do not require as much explanation or introspection. These are from Ed Schmid. He's a New York Mets fan. I'm not a Mets fan, but he had a couple questions for me about the Mets. 
But Ed asked me, first of all, who is the current player on the Mets that I think has the most potential and why? I think you've got to go with Pete Alonzo for this. A guy who, as a rookie last year, hit 53 home runs, which is just incredible. Has struggled a little bit more this year, lower batting average, which he only hit 260 last year, but was such a powerful hitter and with 120 RBIs. If a guy's getting 155 hits and over a third of those are home runs and he's right there in the middle of your lineup and is anchoring you at first base, I mean, you can't really argue with that in today's game. So Pete Alonzo I went with. Now he does need to get that batting average up a little bit and become a better overall hitter, but that power is crazy. And I did consider Michael Conforto, the outfielder. I think he's solid, hitting well over 300 this year, doing a great job for the Mets. But I think he's more of a, even with an all-star appearance a few years ago, I still think he's a more average player. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but, you know, you never know. I think he is a very solid hitter who's going to continue to hit for a good average for the Mets and a guy they should hold on to because Michael Conforto can also get it done in the field. So I did consider him. Next, Ed asks me, what former Met do you wish was still in his prime and on the current roster? Well, as long as they're not terrorizing the Braves, I considered Jose Reyes because he was so much fun to watch, could fly around the bases, play the field, and hit. Great switch hitter. But I think you got to go with David Wright here. Really Mr. Met to me. Nicknamed Captain America. Anchored third base. Obviously injuries piled up and caused him to retire at a younger age than he would have liked, I'm sure, a couple years ago. But a 14-year career all spent with the New York Mets. Seven-time All-Star. Two-time Gold Glover. Two-time Silver Slugger. All those accolades coming earlier in his career but when he was healthy just an incredible player to watch went about things the right way he's a guy you really respect as an opposing player no matter who he plays for holds Mets franchise records in RBIs doubles total bases runs scored walks sacrifice flies times on base hits and extra base hits that's just flat out impressive so I would go with David Wright a 296 hitter for his career. Just solid, solid player. Can't say anything bad about the guy at all. Ed's final question, we turn to the NFL. He said, who is the biggest underdog in the NFL currently that you expect to have an unexpected blowout year? Now, on last week's podcast, Jason Fearman and I discussed the upcoming season and how tough the NFC West is. I think it's the toughest division in football, just ahead of the NFC South probably. And the Arizona Cardinals, obviously not favored there. You're going to favor the San Francisco 49ers as well as the Seattle Seahawks, who year in and year out are tough to deal with. The Rams, we don't know what we're going to get from them this year. Will they bounce back? 9-7 and seven last year after a Super Bowl appearance the year prior. But I went with the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, they have the reigning rookie of the year, Kyler Murray, at quarterback, who has a ton of potential. They don't have a bad defense. Their defense is not terrible by any means, but I think their offense is going to be top 10 in the NFL, if not better. I mean, they got DeAndre Hopkins now, still with the veteran wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald. Those two together should be fun to watch. I could totally see the Cardinals, even though I don't see them taking that division because of how tough it is. I do think they could be a wild card team, potentially. I think they could finish 8-8, eight 9-7, eight, sneak into the playoffs, and I think the Cardinals have what it takes to contend for a playoff position and possibly make it. There's no other underdog in the league that I see beyond them possibly doing that. I'd love to see my Panthers have a great season. I just don't see it. 
I think the Cardinals are going to be tough to handle, and so that's my pick. Thanks to Nate Warden. Thanks to Ed Schmid for the questions this week from McKinney's Mailbag. As I said, I've got six more that I've been asked that I'm saving for next week. Great questions again this week. Keep them coming for future installments of McKinney's Mailbag. Now, I'd like to welcome in my wife, Christine. She returns for Ranky Panky. Okay, so this week, my wife, Christine, is back with me. We haven't done Ranky Panky in a few weeks because we've been doing some fantasy draft stuff and the Happily Ever Drafter that Christine penned the name of as well. Uh, Christine, really excited to have you back for Ranky Panky today. I always enjoy this segment. Looking forward to today. So you want to go ahead and tell everybody what we're going to be ranking? Yes, we are going to be ranking our top five favorite things about fall fall season i am excited about this one i know there's a lot of people who like to listen to our podcast that don't particularly have an expertise in sports so i like being able to come on and do ranky panky about things that anybody can have an opinion on not just the sports fanatics yeah and first of all when it comes to the fall season my favorite thing about the fall season is when it ends no i'm just kidding but i am more of a warm weather guy who enjoys Wearing shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops. But, like, not outside in the actual heat. But just, well, just in general. <laughs> Maybe. But, anyway, I'll get started with my honorable mentions. I had a few things I wanted to mention before we get into the list. <laughs> the first thing is in the fall, I have a legit excuse to stay inside because it's getting cooler. I don't feel so guilty for not going outside. If it's cold, then I'm like, well, okay. I have a legit excuse to stay inside because it's cooler now. And it gets even worse in the winter, obviously. <laughs> I know right now, as far as where we live in the Carolinas, it's still pretty warm outside. But, yeah, I got you there. I would rather, you're kind of a homebody anyway, so you like staying inside no matter what season. Yeah, about the only thing I've been going outside for is to play some pickup hoops once a week. So my number six, or well, my honorable mention, really. If y'all pay bills, show me your hands because I am looking forward to the power bill coming down. We live in a little small town that like buys its power from a company that buys its power from da da da. Our power bill is more than some people's grocery bill. I am telling you the truth. So I am so looking forward to that power bill coming down. We can shut the AC off. We ain't got to run the heat. We can open up the windows and save our wallets a little bit. I didn't think about that. I did want to mention that also one thing I like about the fall is Christmas is getting closer. That is my favorite holiday for sure. My favorite thing about the winter, if I was doing that list, would probably number one. Well, I don't know. Maybe basketball. But <laughs> anyway, number five. Getting to my actual list is when the leaves start to change colors. Oh, I do like that. Now, I don't like when the leaves fall all over the place. That's literally what the season is called, though. <laughs> yeah, I get that. But it is pretty to see all the different colors of leaves. And, you know, not just green, but you've got all kinds of colors, orange, yellows. And uh, so it is beautiful to uh, see nature do that. See everything die around you. It's, it is quite yeah, exactly. It's no. quite beautiful. <laughs> my, my number five kind of goes along with the whole weather change and the whole power bill thing. It is the clothing of the season changes. I don't really like 
I mean, wearing shorts, tank tops and everything. I mean, clothes are clothes, but I like the comfortability of fall clothing and winter clothing. Everything is softer. Like, I can wear leggings under stuff. Like, I can just be more secure in my dress code. I can be more secure in what I'm wearing. Like I said, sweaters are getting softer. I can wear fuzzy socks. I like the fall clothing and kind of aesthetic. I hate the clothes for fall. Just (laughs) going to throw that out there. I hate wearing long pants and all kinds of layers. I hate wearing jackets. I mean, I'm very blessed to have plenty of jackets and clothes to keep me warm, so that is good, but I would much rather wear less layers myself. But hey, I guess you've got to because it's cooler outside, and so you feel more secure and warmer. So that was kind of what you were going for. It's also kind of a thing, women across the board, if you're a little self-conscious or if you're like me, I'm kind of thick, so I would just rather have that like modesty aspect and also like bigger girls don't always thrive in summer because like there's just a lot of associated things with that. I ain't going to unpack that because that is not this type of show, but it's just a comfortability type of thing. So That brings us to my number four, which is pumpkin pie. <laughs> and uh, you're going to notice a theme with my next three. I don't know why it's so funny. Um, pumpkin pie is well, hilarious right Pumpkin now. pie is more of a fall dish, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um I don't usually have pumpkin pie at any other point during the year and love some pumpkin pie with some whipped cream. It's one of the best pies. I'll take a pie over a cake any day. Fun fact about pumpkin pie, most of the time, pumpkin pie colors and flavors and like pumpkin mixes, they're actually primarily made up of squash and not pumpkin itself. Wow. Education. Riveting. (laughs) But yeah, we're going to notice a theme with my next few because I enjoy food. So number four is pumpkin pie. I think a great dessert to enjoy in the fall. My number four is the weather change. Again, we already talked about the temperature changes, but there's just something about all these other items on the list. They just hit different when it's just barely a little nippy outside, a little chilly. The leaves falling like have a certain smell. The wind blows, like in summer when the wind comes through, it's, you know, welcomed air, but it's hot air. When the wind blows in fall, there's like a little chill in the air. And it just makes all the other things, like I said, on my list, just so appropriate and it just feels right. So the weather is my number four. (laughs) I've been stuck outside in windy weather way too much for outdoor sports in the fall to enjoy it as much. So, the only chili I like comes with my number three, <laughs> and that's that's hot foods that are really in season because you get into colder weather, you enjoy eating soups and chilies and things like that. I can go buy Wendy's again and grab me a big, large chili and, <laughs> and <laughs> some of the hot sauce to put in there, and white chicken chili. I know your mother had a great recipe for that that we've used, and that's a favorite to eat in more cooler temperatures so i enjoy not being out in the temperatures eating hot food inside so what josh is saying is when i'm outside having like an elsa moment in the leaves being like let it go he's in the house standing there with a bowl of chili like "Mm -hmm. keep on go ahead have your moment (laughs) exactly my number three is the tv and movies that come on around this season obviously we know the first holiday that kind of 
kicks off the fall season is Labor Day. Then comes, you know, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and so on, the Christmas holiday and whatnot, which is winter. But the TV and movies, like, they start putting all those old classic horror movies, old classic Halloween movies from our childhood. I mean, The Great Pumpkin, come on, like, that's for everybody and anybody. Charlie Brown's classic. Eventually, they get to, you know, Christmas movies and those classics, but yeah, the TV shows and movies start changing. Some of our favorite television shows are, you know, we watch Grey's Anatomy, we watch The Good Place, we watch so many different shows, and they start to come back in the fall, so TV shows kind of pick up again. Unfortunately, The Good Place isn't coming back, although we haven't seen season four yet, which will be coming to Netflix in a couple weeks, so I guess you could say that's a good thing about fall (laughs) this year, but we'll finally get to watch the final season of that show. Uh, but yes, I didn't even really think about fall TV coming back and a lot of the shows we like, although they have been pushed back because of the pandemic this year. So I don't know when they're going to be back exactly. So I mentioned Christmas being my favorite holiday. My second favorite holiday is my number two, and that's Thanksgiving. Love getting together with family. I know we have had multiple Thanksgivings for several years now. You know, we have one with my family, I have one with your family, and it's always a lot of fun seeing everybody and eating a lot of food, way too much. It always ends up watching. We watch football. We'll play a game at somebody's house. Just a lot of good times, yeah. I mean, I love turkey. Don't get as many leftover turkey sandwiches anymore because the families are so large and so there's not as much left. So that's a downside, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I love a leftover turkey sandwich. Maybe not as much as Ross on Friends, but <laughs> I do. And, uh, you know, the other foods that come along with it, I know there's usually a good mac and cheese over at your family's house. There's a lot of great food on Thanksgiving, and pumpkin pie is one of those thrown in there. But I already had it on my list. Yeah, my number two is also food. People are going to come at me for this. I can't eat a whole bunch of it, but, like, I'm okay with candy corn. And I'm okay with those cheap little sugar cookies that people have controversy about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They bring back some of those, some of those candies, Thanksgiving food. I mean, we love us a good Reese's cup. So Halloween candy's great. I'm a big sugar fanatic anyway. I'm kind of worried this year for Thanksgiving because I've been on like a weight loss journey personally. And I'm just like, well, how am I going to calorie count on Thanksgiving? You know, so. The food is my number two also because there are other activities we do, like going to go pick apples at the orchard. I can bring it back and like make a bunch of apple pies and make filling and like make stuff with apples that we go pick and we go harvest ourselves. The whole idea of fall, the autumn holidays is the harvest. So we go get to harvest our own food, literally. And so um, I also have food as number two. So basically we looked at this list in different ways you have the totality of food all at number two i have three different spots filled with with food (laughs) (laughs) in the middle of my list okay well that brings me to number one when i think of thanksgiving i think of the three f's food family and number one is football (laughs) number one is football which just came back this past week uh, with the nfl and college football really excited about that and, you know, it's something that continues on. And like you said, you're watching football on Thanksgiving. You're uh, watching football throughout the fall and winter time, And so it kicks off in the fall. And this year we've got a lot of other sports still going on because of getting shut down for the pandemic and getting 
postponed. So I think the other day there were like six or seven sports on different types of sports. And it was like the first day in the history that all these sports have been played on the same day, which is history. But my number one's football because it's one of my favorite sports. And it's always cool to have it back and know that your weekend coming up is going to have footballs in the fall. My number one is kind of a twofer. It's the holidays that are primarily known in fall. Halloween being the big one and then Thanksgiving kind of following suit. As I mentioned before on different episodes I've been on, I work at a haunted house in Hickory. It's called Lake Hickory Haunts. One of the best rated Halloween and spooky attractions in North Carolina. We are award winning. I love getting to play dress up every Friday and Saturday night for like a month and a half or two months. And, you know, just having a good time playing a character. I'm actually the DJ, the MC this year. So if y'all are listening and you rock with Lake Hickory Haunts, come and see me. I'll be the one with the sick mask running the sound system. So the holidays of Halloween and Thanksgiving, again, all those same things. The good food, seeing family, just thinking about the year and how it's gone, being thankful for what we have so far, you know, kind of getting a grip on what we're thinking about for the next year. The holidays is my number one as well. All right. Well, I'm not a big Halloween guy. I know you are. As a kid, obviously, I dressed up a lot of different costumes I had. Uh, What was your favorite costume? That's kind of hard because there were a few years there where my family, you know, didn't really, we didn't really want to dress up because really the history of Halloween and kind of the dark stuff behind it sort of came to light and we weren't really dressing up for a little while. I would have to say the recent characters that I've been at the haunt have been my favorite because I've been able to conceptualize them myself. I literally am sewing my own costumes. I mean, I'm putting research into the name, the character, because really I have to dress up for Halloween like 20 times, you know? So I did have a year when I was little. I mean, every little girl gets to play a princess. Every little girl gets to do this. But one year I get to dress up like I was an Egyptian and I had to carry a little basket that had a little baby doll in it. And it was supposed to be Moses's mom (laughs) or Moses's Egyptian mother who like drew him from the water. So that was kind of cute. So I got to be Egyptian and carry my little baby doll. Yeah, one of the outfits I remember the most as a kid, I dressed up as uh, the wrestler Bill Goldberg. And uh, I had like a fake bald head that covered my hair that somebody ended up taking later and borrowing and never gave it back. So, um, yeah, I don't have that. I had like a, a world heavyweight title. (laughs) <laughs> or, and I, I I kept that for several years. It wouldn't even fit me anymore uh, once I got rid of it. But you still like to put that over my shoulder or something. Ten, I was a champ. You still got some of them clothes from that childhood in that closet in there. I think he's got like a jersey from playing the little rec team <laughs> in there. So Josh don't like to throw nothing away. So that Memories. Makes sense. Memories. <laughs> well, Christine, before you go, let's count down our top fives again. Just to remind everybody, I'll start. Going five to one for me, I had leaves changing colors, pumpkin pie, hot foods are in season, Thanksgiving, and then football. For me, five to one was the close of the season, the weather changing, the TVs and movies that come back, the food, and the holidays. 
All right. This is always fun and uh, enjoyed having you here again this week for Ranky Panky. Thanks. I I enjoy coming on here. I enjoy editing these. I hope that you guys are enjoying our content. And just to wrap up this segment, since I kind of work here too, if you guys will give us a share, give us a comment, tell us what you think. What are your five favorite things about fall? Or do you agree, like, should football be the number one thing that we're excited about? I mean, obviously, you've been without sports for a while, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, tell me if anything I said resonated with you. Did the clothes change in? The power bill going down? Amen. Let us know. And uh, thanks again for listening. Let's close this thing out. All right. Well, first of all, thanks for listening again. Uh, as I said, enjoy having my wife around for the Ranky Panky. Enjoy McKinney's mailbag. I'll have another one next week. I've got about six more questions to answer that were posed to me that were very interesting and some non-sports stuff finally. So looking forward to that. I'll have a guest next week as well from the 3rd and 3 podcast. I had Jason Fearman last week, and he's one of three co-hosts on there. Looking to have all three at some point. I'll have the female representative from that show, uh, Nikki G, they call her. And uh, so I'm looking forward to having Nikki on. She's a big New York sports fan. The Giants, I know, just started playing, and so we'll talk about them and some other stuff. I'm sure we'll have a ranky-panky as well. Really been enjoying it. I mean, we're 20 episodes in now. The thing that I enjoy is talking to people and and people who resonate with things that are said on the show or really enjoy a segment a lot. And I'm up to over 800 followers on Twitter now. You can follow me there at SuperJMac32. You can like Four Cores with Josh McKinney on Facebook. Try to stay pretty active on both. And again, we'll be back with Nikki G next week and some more great content on Four Quarters with Josh McKinney. Looking forward to it. Talk to you next week.